from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Time for the Daily Checkdown. I'm Luis Fernandez. He's Brian Murphy. We got an hour left in the show. We're going to ride through hour and a half. Hour until we hear head coach Rod Brindamore talked with uh, Adam Gold. You're going to hear that conversation in full coming up here at 6 o'clock, so make sure you stay tuned to that. But for now, it's time for the Daily Checkdown, and we're going to get started with some breaking news at the very top of this. Number five. I got five on it. Miles Bridges has signed the Hornets' qualifying offer. Now, uh, essentially, he was a restricted free agent. He signed his qualifying offer, which allows him to play for the Hornets on a one-year contract for the 2023-2024 NBA season. Uh, now, for those of you who follow along with the Hornets, you know that Miles Bridges has been uh, in the headlines a lot uh, he was he pleaded no contest to a felony domestic violence charge uh, back in November of 2022 uh, in Los Angeles Superior Court. He was sentenced to three years of probation, but no jail time as part of a deal with prosecutors. Uh, the no contest plea means Bridges was present in court and is accepting the punishment and the conviction without formally admitting guilt in the case. Uh, there were a lot of questions as to what the Hornets would do here. Uh, Mitch Kupchak has said uh, part of the uh, statement coming from the Hornets in all of this that throughout the process we've taken a measured and serious approach. Uh, several factors played a part in uh, their decision to bring back Miles, uh, including the conclusion of the legal process, the results of the NBA's investigation, and Miles Bridges' commitment to counseling and community service. Uh, so there you go. Miles, this is, I think, about an $8.75 million contract, this qualifying offer. I believe so. I'll see if I can find I those mean, exact Miles numbers. Bridges in 21-22, and I'm bringing it back to the court, and I know that's a, a, a tough transition. But in 21-22, averaged 20 points, 7 rebounds, and, and about 4 assists. He was looking at a $100 million contract. Yeah, he was, he was looking at a possible max deal. Yeah, I, I he was he was going to easily be over 100 you know maybe more and and that the, the news came out about the domestic violence and he sat out all of last season um and now he the only qualifying offer he got i believe is less than nine million dollars so is that punishment enough I, I don't know like everyone will have to draw their own judgments on whether that's punishment enough he basically was suspended for a season no pay ended up costing himself at least a hundred million dollars um, is that enough punishment? I don't know. I do think if the Hornets don't want to lose an asset. He's a, gr a very good player, will help their team this year, becomes an unrestricted free agent next year. So if you're a Hornets fan, you may not have to root for him more than one year. There, This is obviously, there's um, a lot with all of this. Um, I, I don't think, whether it be the NBA, the NFL, um, any of these different you know, male-centered sports, there, there is proven time and time again that uh, domestic violence does not scare them. And they're willing to give people a chance if they have engaged in domestic violence. Tyreek Hill. I mean, you, the, the list goes on and on. Guys who sign giant contracts who get traded, who, who are, end up being stars. The, the Miles Bridges is qualifying off for $7.9 million. Um, we're talking about a guy who's probably going to sign 25 to $30 million a year contract long term. Um, again, I'm not... I, it's, I think it's for each person to decide whether that was punish, That is punishment enough. He missed all of last season. We'll be back on the court. You add Brandon Miller. You got LaMelo Ball. P.J. Washington's status is still a little bit up in the air, but you add Miles Bridges. You can start to squint and see the formation of a 
roster that I don't know. Are are can you get it to the play in tournament? If you're Charlotte, I mean it's it's been they've been down for so long. They've been in the middle for so long or at the bottom for so long. Do you squint and can you see a team that can get the 10 seed? Um Part of uh, all of this, Bridges released a statement in which he said, I sincerely apologize for the pain, embarrassment, and disappointment that last year's incident caused to so many people. Time away from the game allowed me to reflect, immerse myself in therapy, and prioritize becoming a better person, someone my family and peers can be proud of. Uh, yeah, there's a lot with this. He, he mentions uh, that he appreciates essentially getting a second chance. Uh, once again, there, I think there's a major problem with how professional sports handles domestic violence just as a whole. I think this is a prime example of that. Uh, but uh, we, if we were trying to dive into the intricacies of all this, we would be here for <laughs> quite some time to talk about this. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and transition now to number four. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. The FIBA World Cup 12-man roster has been announced this will be just the third FIBA World Cup since 2014, I believe. The years they've made some adjustments to the years to try and get off of uh, World Cup scheduling. Uh, obviously, COVID is in there as well. All all kinds of different things here. Uh, the U.S. Uh, men's FIBA World Cup team ha- has not won since 2014. They lost in 2019, uh, finishing in seventh place. Was that right? Yeah, seventh, seventh place, place. They lost twice. Twice. So I mean, that's that's tough. Uh, the final list for this 12-man roster, just to kind of give you the, the all of it so you have it here in front of you, Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart, uh, Mikhail Bridges. No relation. No no, no, no relation, relation to Miles Bridges. No relation. Uh, Cam Johnson, uh, Paulo Bancaro, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, Brandon Ingram, Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, Walker Kessler, Bobby Portis, and Austin Reeves. When you go through that list, what you are reminded of is that there's a, a good Grip group there that is Duke or UNC related in some way, shape, or form. Obviously, uh, Brandon Ingram and Paulo Bancaro both uh, spent a year with Duke. Uh, Cam Johnson uh, spending the tail end of his college career with UNC. Uh, and then um, uh, Walker Kessler spending his first year with UNC before transferring to Auburn, where he eventually went on to be a first-round pick. Who, who is the best player on that team? Um, I would probably go with Anthony Edwards. That's who I would pick too. But th- th- this is the challenge for Steve Kerr, who's going to be coaching this team. Yes, you're throwing together twelve, some all stars, some soon to be all stars, guys who are the alphas on their own team, and you're saying, "Hey, here's the ball. We got to make a team out of this." And I look at it and I say, "You know, if you're Paulo Bancaro, you're saying, oh, Anthony Edwards is definitely better than me. He's he's the number one option on this team.' I don't think so. I don't think he is either. No. If you're Brandon Ingram, you're saying, oh, Anthony Edwards is the number one option on this team. We'll, we'll run stuff through him. I don't th- like no. In order for them to be successful, they're going to have to develop a hierarchy on this team. Like every great team uh, in, in basketball has a hierarchy. You just know yeah. that the ball goes through Jokic first, Jamal Murray second, and and Kevin Porter and and Aaron Gordon. You get what you get. It's hard to do that with basically an all-star team. Well, and that on top of you are constructing a team of NBA players to play by feeble rules, right. which are different. Um, and the way basketball is played internationally is different. And when you combine that with the fact that international basketball is better than it's ever been, that you have you know MVP after MVP after MVP being international players, that is a recipe for a disaster, which is not necessarily fair for this group of 12. I, it's a no, We talked about it earlier. No-win situation. If you win, you're supposed to win. You're America. You invented basketball. You got all the best of players. If you lose, 
oh, what what happened to American basketball? We're not doing it right. I look at that roster and I say, who who the most important player on that roster might be is Cam Johnson. Because yeah. in FIBA, you've got to knock down outside shots. You've got to have a three-point shooter because you've got to clear the lane somehow. Yeah. And I look at that and I say, who on this team can knock down shots? Cam, Cam Johnson is going 40%. to have, Yeah, he's going to have to stand in some corners and knock down some three-pointers. Um, and that's always been, in a lot of ways, the Achilles heel for the American team. Well, I think it's it's super interesting, too, because you have two pairs there of players who are very familiar with each other. Um, with Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart playing together this year on the Knicks, uh, played together in Villanova. Um, and then you also have uh, Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson, who you know were teammates this year in Brooklyn, uh, teammates for the past few years in Phoenix. They were both traded together. Uh, Mikhail Bridges, are you talking about who's the best player there? That's someone who he, he had a flamethrower in the last half of the season once he got traded to, to Brooklyn. And then now he's going to be making a lot of money with the Nets moving forward. So I there is... um. It's really interesting to see how all that comes together. It is one of those, like, I'm very excited to watch. I, those are all, like, such young, fun players that I just, I'm just i excited to see come together. I, I don't, I, I mean, I'm, I'm puzzled to remember the year, but the Redeem Team documentary, I don't know if you saw it recently. Oh, sure. Uh, Kobe was on that team and, and became, and was the alpha. He's on, on a team with LeBron James, you know, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, and they all... Eventually, Kobe became the alpha. I mean, LeBron was the best player, I think, but Kobe was the guy they followed. And there's that great anecdote, and, and they showed the film. He was teammates with Paul with uh, Pau Gasol on the Lakers, mm-hmm. and told his Team USA teammates that on he knew what play they were going to run. Spain was going to run the first play of the game, and that Gasol was going to set a screen. Yep. And Kobe said, in much more colorful language than I can use on this program, that he was going to run right through him. And they were brothers. They were super tight. Yep. We've seen all the coverage since Kobe's death about how close they are. And and he did. First play, Gasol sets the screen. Kobe runs right through him, plants him on the ground, picks up a foul. Um, and all the, you know, the LeBron and, and Wade and the younger players on that team looked at each other like, oh, man, like <laughs> this is serious. Like, yeah. And that's kind of what these international teams need when you send these these all-star American teams out. You need to develop a pecking order. You need to develop a guy who says, "Follow me," and and Kobe at the you know in those games that game with Spain was really tight. The gold, uh, I think it was the gold medal game, uh, you know, sort of carried them late in that game. Kevin Durant also carried them a little Carmelo. bit. Carmelo, yeah, there were a lot of really really good players. But I, I think I look at it and say, well, "Who's who's going to be the alpha? Who's going to be the guy who says, follow me, get on my back, let's do this.'" My my first thought would be Anthony Edwards at this point, but it's it's hard it's hard to know for sure. It really is. And and the other guys have to accept that guy. True, yeah. Like I like Anthony Edwards can't just walk in the room and say, "All right, guys, I'm the alpha. Follow me." Yeah. You know, it's like something that has to be earned in a lot of ways. Agreed. Agreed. All right, number three. One, two, three. NC State's Caitlin Tui, round of applause, ACC Female Athlete of the Year. Congratulations, congratulations to Caitlin Tui. Uh, you also have Rhett Louder, Wake Forest pitcher, who is going to be a, a top 10 pick for sure in the MLB draft. Uh, he was the uh, ACC male athlete of the year. So two North Carolina athletes being represented uh, in this uh, voting, which is done by the media. Um, Caitlin Tui, as NC State's, NC State's cross country, just in general, absolutely phenomenal cross-country attack over there at uh, NC State. Uh, Caitlin Tui won, I believe it was three national championships last year. One for cross-country, one in indoor, and one in outdoor. 
I mean, wh- what more can you say? NC State also posted a graphic earlier this week that, that they were one of X number of teams, and I don't have it in front of me, to reach the postseason in what they consider the four major sports, which is you know football, men's basketball, women's basketball, and baseball. Yeah. Um, we, we focus so much on football and men's basketball. And, and what I would say is that the athletic directors at NC State, at Duke, at Carolina, are focused on, you know, certainly those, those sports pay the bills. But they are focused on giving a great experience for all their student athletes. And if you look at those three programs, across the board, athletic success. Mm-hmm. Um, look, it doesn't get the attention when your field hockey team wins the national title or, or when a wrestler wins a national title or, in this case, a cross-country athlete wins a national title. But that's a mark of success for all of these programs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so even if your football program you know, goes 500 or struggles you know, down the stretch like Carolina's did – they take a lot of pride in being an overall successful athletic program, and I think we're really seeing that at NC State. Um, th- yes, 100%. I think um, th- this is somewhat related to this. There was I remember during the, um, the NBA Finals this year, right before it got started, between um, you know the Nuggets and the Heat, one I don't know if he was a reporter, just like a talking head type person, brought up like, oh, you know, there's nothing to talk about with this Nuggets team, and. That's absolutely absurd because it's a journalist's job to go in and find those stories and tell those stories. And that's the way I feel about every sport in college athletics, especially like, yes, sure, football and basketball, both men's and women's, yes. But the Olympic sports in all the different programs, especially, I. this is one of those things where if I may get on my soapbox for a second, (laughs) I I, I think I already am. (laughs) That's one of the things I think that makes the triangle so special is that you have three top flight, at least from an athletics perspective, programs for sure, with NC State, UNC, and Duke, all right here. And within each of those programs, you have so many different uh, teams, and you have so many different people that are involved. And all of the different stories that they share and they have together, that they build upon throughout the course of their academic year and athletic year, I think it's beautiful. I think it's such a a great representation of what sports is and what sports can be. Okay, off my soapbox. Yeah, I mean, Duke won the men's, you know, national lacrosse, the NCAA lacrosse title. Um, UNC won the women's tennis title this year. Caitlin Tui won won these uh, cross-country national championships. I mean, there is success happening on these campuses uh, that goes far beyond what what men's basketball and and football can do, and look, it's the athletic department and the athletic director's job to make sure every student athlete has that type of experience. And not all schools are like that. I mean, some schools put a ton of money into football and basketball, and, and are mediocre or worse at a lot of those other sports. It's great to see you know three thriving, full, complete athletic programs in the triangle. Absolutely. All right, number two. And I don't even care who number two is. The Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, number free, two in the in the Easter Conference. Number two in the Easter Conference. <laughs> uh, we didn't do that on purpose. Free agency still continues. Uh, we have not seen any updates today. That is the update. Uh, however, things are still moving. Uh, the way Adam Gold, who was on the show earlier today, phrased it was just be, like it's it's not that nothing is happening. It's just that nothing is being announced. There's still a lot of things that are moving moving behind the scenes for all NHL teams as they negotiate the salary cap and and what's going on. We're in the waiting process. Yeah. Like we got the flurry at the beginning of free agency. Now we're waiting it out as players say, "Whoa, wait a second! I'm not getting seven million like I thought I was getting. Ooh. I might have to take four and a half. Yeah. I'm not getting four years. I'm getting two years. Um, that, there's an adjustment for those players and. 
teams are trying to get under the cap. Uh, other moves are happening. The Tony D'Angelo trade expected to go through on Sunday. Um, there's some stuff in the CBA that they couldn't make the trade until until Sunday, but we fully expect Tony D'Angelo to be back as a member of the Carolina Hurricanes, part of their defense. Um, the real question I think that everybody has is, we we thought, right? We thought the Hurricanes were going to the Stanley Cup, and they didn't. Nope. But that's the goal. That's the goal right now, and, and are they closer to going to the Stanley Cup than they were when the season ended? Yes. They are. There's no question they are better. I mean, right now, because Pesci's still on the roster, if they go into the season with the group of defensemen that they have, there's not even a debate that they will they will be the best defense in the National Hockey League. And the gap between one and two will be, you could put up Walmart in, uh, in there. But I also don't think that's where we're going to be at the start of the season. But even so, if they if they don't trade two defensemen in their top, they don't trade uh, Brady Shea and Brett Pesci because they could. Um, they're going to be they'll still be great defensively. Jalen Chatfield, I think, proved last year that he could play in your top four. And it's actually the one thing I didn't ask Rod Brindamore today. Do you, th- <laughs> do you think that Chatfield can be a top four defenseman? Uh, whether it's on a short-term or long-term, and I think the answer is yes. Which is a great segue into reminding you that at 6 o'clock you can hear Adam Gold's entire conversation from earlier today with Carolina Hurricanes head coach Rod Brindamore right here on the show. Uh, So stay tuned, listening to 99.9 The Fan. uh, That's coming up at 6 o'clock today. We know Orloff, Burns, and Slavin are going to be on this roster. Yes. And and just those three alone give you a great start to your defense. Yes. We don't know what's going to happen with Pesci. We don't know what's going to happen with Shea. We know Chatfield's going to be on this team. And so they have so much flexibility. They're under the cap. Uh, you know, Shea and, and Pesci are both signed. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to do anything. They, they are members of your team. You don't have to trade them this offseason, although you might. And they're still in the running for Carlson, who would certainly give you a different look back there. They're still in the running for, for Tarasenko, who's a, who's a forward, but would give you a different look up there. I mean, they just have so many options. Um, obviously, they're adding D'Angelo, so that's a, another member of their defense. They have some flexibility. They can move a Pesci out and bring back a forward. They can move him out with a forward for another forward or another defenseman. I mean, their optionality is great, and that's that's the sign of a well-run organization. Agreed. And, and just the way the Hurricanes play, they, they're never going to be one of these teams that gets out here and scores a bajillion goals a game, right? But they One of the things that they needed this offseason was more size to be able to play more in, inside in the ice. Um, another thing was just being able to have more goal ability. And that's something where it's, okay, will some of these signings be able to bring that in? Are these what we're going to have some of the signings in the future will be able to do? Will having someone like Andrei Svechnikov healthy, will that help? There, there are a lot of different elements that are going into this Hurricanes team moving into the offseason. And, you know, I, I think it's really interesting um, because you have gotten to the point now with the franchise where, hey, five straight postseason runs, that's great. And, you know, making the Eastern Conference Finals in two of those five, once again, awesome. But you still haven't won an Eastern Conference Final game during that stretch. And, you know, you're you're knocking on the door, and now it's, soon it's going to be time to knock that door down. Um, I just always appreciate when a team is close, and instead of sitting back and resting on their laurels, they are making moves with a purpose. Not just to be like, I got to do something to do something, kind of like what I think the Celtics have done yeah. this year in the NBA. I agree. But they are moving with intention and with purpose. Yeah, and, and does one of these younger guys make a leap? Could be on You know, Aho or Svechnikov, does one of them take that leap, and that gives you some internal growth as well. 
I mean, w- one of the problems I always have is, well, they reached the playoffs last year and they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, so this year they're going to do this. It's like, that's not how it works. Like, nope. you don't always get better year after year. Sometimes, guys, take a step back. Maybe you have worse injury luck. Uh, maybe things just chemistry-wise, it just doesn't doesn't all go the way it went the year before. So when you say, you bring, let's bring everybody back, we're going to be better, that, do- that doesn't work. I mean, we saw what <laughs> – I hate to bring up, but we saw with Carolina basketball, right? Sure. Oh, everybody's back. We're, we went to the national title game last year. We're number one. Of course we're going back to the tournament. It, it doesn't always work like that. It's not – growth is not linear – uh, when it comes to sports teams, every year is different. It's good to see them continue to keep adding and adding. Can they add one or two more pieces that gets them over that hump? Also, it doesn't hurt to have a little bit of flexibility when you get to the trade deadline. Agreed. You know, so you don't have to, your, your team on you know July seventh isn't the team you're going to carry into the playoffs in April. Yes. All right, let's wrap up with number one. At Wake Med MyCare 365, we deliver convenience others only talk about every day of the year. Primary care and urgent care under one roof. Multiple locations, virtual visits, walk-in or schedule an appointment online. From annual physicals and routine care to sinus infection, strep, or the flu, we couldn't be more convenient. Learn more about our kind of care and our kind of convenience at wakemed.org. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. In less than four hours. Carlos Rodon makes his Yankee debut. <laughs> Which might actually happen. <laughs> um, Victor Wembanyama and Brandon Miller going off in Las Vegas on ESPN. Tip-off for that game is 9 p.m. A little bit of a late one, but could very well be worth it, especially if you want to watch uh, what who could potentially be the next great NBA player uh, step onto the court in a Spurs jersey in a game, <laughs> air quotes game, for the first time. How many fouls do they get in these games? Ten. <laughs> I Victor Wembanyama's not going to pick up a single one. Not a but single one. How many is Brandon Miller going to pick up? On his, based on his average, probably about seven and a half. Um, no, that's it, it's going to be interesting because, I mean, it is one versus two. Uh, that's part of what makes this so much fun, right? Victor Wembanyama and Brandon Miller, Spurs versus Hornets. But it's also, it's, it's a little difficult because I just like I don't I feel like Brandon Miller is going to be an afterthought in in this game and that's no fault to him it's just all the credit to Victor Webanyama yeah I mean the over what I am what I'm looking forward to is seeing Webanyama on a court like I I just want to watch it I I don't know you know is he going to be shooting threes is he going to be in the paint like I'm really interested in that what I am not interested in is what's going to happen Monday because Wembenyama, I think, is playing again. I think they play again on Saturday. Uh, probably, yeah. And so what I'm not interested in is what's going to happen Monday, which is we are going to have proclamations on Victor Wembenyama's career. We, we are going to either be printing his Hall of Fame you know, bust 
or are we we are going to be calling him a bust? Hopefully not me and you. No. But but we as a collective sports I, media, the the overreaction to these two games is going to be off the chart. I guarantee you, I will not be calling Victor Wembanyama a bust on Monday. <laughs> will, uh, will you be getting his Hall of Fame plaque ready? Uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> if he drops thirty. Um, no, I mean I I think it's 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 it, it's so frustrating because. I think this is this the the transition of like sports talk culture, right? Um, NBA feels it especially because those goat talks are so easy. Um, you, you know, LeBron, the pressure that he had to grow up with um, playing in the NBA. Uh, you know, it's not what MJ faced because social media wasn't around. People weren't constantly trash talking him in in that sense. The way if you ever want to see just just uh, the cesspool that it's Twitter, some at times go to a LeBron James tweet and look at all the replies underneath. Like the oh la Mickey, oh all your rings are fraudulent, oh like you know. And we'll see if Victor Wembanyama if that just tra- kind of trend continues and if that's what he faces. But um, I mean, he's already getting haters. He's already getting people who think he's going to be a bust. I think he's going to be great. I really do. I think he's going to be the next great thing. He's already had his first celebrity run in. Don't even we we I, talk. You can you can check that <laughs> yeah, on the nine nine pod nine 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 podcast. I, but this is like welcome to the NBA. Like that that's sort of you know look. Hopefully every week he doesn't have a run in with Britney Spears. But th- that's the NBA, right? Like yes. you are a celebrity now. You are not just a basketball player. You are someone who TMZ is going to report on. Who. Uh, you know, all different sorts of outlets are see you. You know, see you as a star, and are going to be reporting on various aspects of your life. Yeah. We've seen it with Zion. I mean, oh my gosh, I I know more. <laughs> I think I know more about Zion's personal life than I ever wanted to know. Agreed. And but that's because he's a star, yeah. and like, it, it's just a it's just a really strange place for you to be when you're 19 years old. I think so. Look, I hope we can put all that aside. I just want to see him as a basketball player. Agreed. Agreed. I will be paying close attention tonight. I'll be talking about it on threads. So there you go. All the right. Spurs are favored by six and a half in that game. Now, if you're betting Summer League, something no. is wrong with no, you. No, you have a problem. But no other game has been over a two and a half point spread because, you know, Vegas has no idea what they're doing with these spreads. That just tells me the, the interest in. I want to bet on Victor Wembanyama, and so they've pushed the line all the way up to six and a half Fair. for that game. <laughs> uh, there, there will be a lot of interest. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.